This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. Alongside with me as always, he didn't start the fire, it's Mitch Doyle. Good everybody. And she has always been burning since the world's been turning. It's Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. Hello Mary. Hello, thanks again for having me. Well, thank you yeah. for coming on. And uh, sorry to Billy Joel, your music's not that great. Um, I do want to say, Dale, one thing I appreciate when you host is the music references. Well, I do look, want more of that. <laughs> I, I will do my best by making sure that Bungard celebrates his anniversary every week, uh, as, as it should be. Treat your partner with kindness. Um, speaking of kindness, questions. We are going to kindly answer your questions. That was See, that was How much better. <laughs> that was much better. Like that was that. better than the previous segue. It was, right. I feel we're on an upward trajectory. We're much like the US's coronavirus cases, where you can only go up and up. And by being the worst cases, I mean we're the best. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if anyone... Have you guys watched that Trump interview with the Aussie journalist? I haven't watched all of it. But but see, I I didn't realise Jonathan Swan, the guy who did that interview, he's Norman Swan's son. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. I didn't realise that. And he worked for Fairfax in their Canberra Bureau. What a small world. Mitch, I was waiting for the Broncos to be last so I could say that you were indeed first. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like, but it's one of those things that we watched, we watched it in bed last night. Like, I just showed that the one little clip came across my Twitter feed and I showed Anastasia. My, if you don't, people should know by now, my, my, my partner's Russian, but she's very interested in world politics. And she saw that and then she went and found the full interview. We, we pulled it up on the on our screen and she was so excited. She ran and, warm, ran and warmed up popcorn <laughs> and sat in bed like a kid with glee giggling and started watching it. And she was like laughing halfway through it, just loving it. It was like a watching like a, when you're a child when you pull out the Lion King for the first time in months. Yeah. Like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> and anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on from that. We'll move on to actual questions. So, um, Are you serious? We're going to have any questions. Over on patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies, you know where to get to support us. Anyway, the first question comes from our good friend Dave. And it says, with Hodgson, Bateman, Soliola, Horsbrah, Gula, Simonson, uh, Oldfield unable to start, and CNK and Rapana going off during the game, how many Raiders would need to be injured for Cook, Reynolds, Walker to create more than two tries at Canvas Stadium? <laughs> Well, I mean, the, 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 the other question you'd have to ask is how many players would the Raiders have to have on the field for Damian Cook to, to affect a proper tackle on his 10-metre line <laughs> on Josh Papali? I mean, these are the questions that need to be asked. Yeah, I wish Bungab was here. Sorry, Mary. <laughs> it's the first moment. <laughs> oh, I'm a bad man. <laughs> okay, next question. Pat Lawrence asks, Brown, Barrett and McGregor. Are all three terrible coaches of their own accord, or rather, are they victims of the 99 grand final curse, never to contribute to rugby league success again? There you go. And if you had to, which one would you pick to coach your club? Okay. First, Dale, is there a curse? Yes. Yes, there is. Yes. Uh, How many many wins has, how many wins as a coach has Anthony Mundane got? None. Curse. Well, if you ask him, well, he's the best coach in the league. He just doesn't want the job. He, yeah, and also coaching um, gives you, I don't know, it makes the frogs gay or something. I don't know what he's, where his <laughs> cooked brain is at. Don't even ask me. Um, 
Yeah. So it was what? Brownie, Mary. And Barrett. Barrett. Mitch, my Maybe head. they're just three severely cooked individuals. My head is literally spinning trying to work out who I would want to coach my at my club. It's tough. I, I think I might be leaning Mary because yeah. at least Mary has had some success. I do know the the playing group likes him, and I know he does too many changes and stuff, but they're going okay-ish now. They're bouncing back okay-ish. And, you know, I'm also kind of leaning towards maybe the unknown in Barrett, maybe second chance. But what I will rule out is Nathan Brown would never get near a coach I looked at, a club I looked after. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. No. No. None. Uh, so I'm saying Mary. Mm. Paul McGregor, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Okay, next question. Uh, Next question comes from Paddy. No, what he answered is Michael Gregson. He said he still can't reconcile his team being good and expects them to lose. This is a a Panthers fan. He says, have I entered the Raiders zone? Is he sure that he's a Panthers fan and not an Eels fan? Because I feel eerily similar. Do you have that feeling every week in the game you're up by like two points or four points? You're like, oh, they're going to fuck this up any time. <laughs> yes. It's so... co- it's coming. It's definitely coming. Like the, this week, you guys, you know, nearly pulled uh, pulled defeat from the jaws of victory. And, uh, and again, not a fun experience, as any Raiders fan will tell you. It's not a fun experience. But that, that anxiety is always there. And Mary, as you were saying, like, as an Eels fan, you expect the worst. I do, and I often get asked this question and my partner Jimmy thinks it's so funny. I'll ask it of the two of you. How much does your team need to be up by for you to be comfortable? For me, Parramatta needs to be 30 up before I start. <laughs> um, probably, probably 24 because that's four converted tries. But... Did we not? How many was it? Was it Parramatta who scored a massive bunch of points on us in maybe two? Was it two thousand and nine that Parramatta scored like maybe sixteen points in like twelve minutes or something against the Dragons? We played you twice, like two weeks in a row. You beat us one week, and then we beat you in the final round of the season. It might have been that game. Mm, that is true. <clears throat> my memory, my memory escapes me, unfortunately. Um, yeah, for me, so the current Broncos team is like an NYC team, but like without Tom Dearden, they were the NYC team's defense, but they couldn't score points. With Tom Dearden, they're an NYC team that can score points but can concede them. And uh, I have no confidence in no matter the lead this year and them winning. It could be a thirty-point lead with seven minutes to go, and we could blow it. Like Parramatta almost blew that lead, or did they blow that lead against the Cowboys? So what, thirty to six up a few years ago? He blew but, it. Yeah, he blew it. But um, in the past, the Broncos, I was pretty comfortable. If it was like ten minutes to go, and we're up by more than one score, seven or eight. You know, I'm, oh yeah, we got this in the bag. But no, anyway, now it's like with the current side, it's yeah, it's got to be five tries with <laughs> with fifteen minutes to go or something. But, um, anyway, next question, Dan Cullinane. Which frontline service has it tougher at the moment? Nurses at Doctors in Victoria or the Brisbane Broncos social media team? <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. Poor guy. The Poor girl. The guy running the Brisbane socials right now. I feel more sorry for them than almost anybody at that club, hey? Yeah, fuck. All those, all those buddy... The, fuck. I mean, if you think the Broncos Weekly Facebook page... 
is having a tough ride at the moment, man, I'd be needing a Xanax every time I came to work if I was the Broncos social guy. Being Could nice you imagine that feeling? Everyone. Yeah. Could you imagine the feeling of like every time he has to cut those halftime or full time result graphics? Like, oh, god. oh my god, I have to publish this. <laughs> And every week having to come up, you know, you know, when you, you go on Instagram or you go on Twitter and your team takes an L and it's mm. like, oh, tough day at the office or yes. like, oh, not ours, not our, not our night tonight. He's not, he's yes, on he, to next week, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> on to next week. Like he's, he's running low. He or she is running low on, on excuse, on phrases at this point. Just put, I give up and that's it. Yeah, just a graphic or just a, just a, the the uh, the nose breathy Audi emoji, the huffing emoji. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, I pity them. I really do. Okay, uh, next question comes from Michael Gregson again. He says, given that Blandis is looking to bend the rules regarding Joseph Suwali's signing slash playing before he's 18, What's the best case scenario for modifying the rules so we can still have promising players on NRL com- contracts, but before avoid a physically ruining young footballers? Um, I don't know if that rule is more uh, about physical as much as it's about mentally ruining young footballers. By yeah. the way, debuting before they're eighteen, mm. and it's also about financially not ruining young men by giving them millions of dollars when they're like eighteen. Yeah, not the best thing to do. No. Um, um, but re- regarding physically, I mean, like that's that, that we, I remember, I remember a few years ago, we had the whole weight versus age discussion and we kind of dabbled in it, but we never really kind of dug deep. Um, but it is, I mean, you know, like, I know it's a silly thing to say, but like, maybe it is just a case that like, if it, it has to be an age group thing, like if you play, you can make your NRL debut if you turn 18 that year. You don't have to be 18, but you can turn 18 that year. Like maybe that's maybe that's it. Because, but because like no 16-year-old or no 15-year-old is going to be able to keep up with the rigours of NRL footy week in, week out. It's just not feasible. Yeah, and I do like that most of the clubs did fight back with that apparently. So I, I think it's a bit of a ridiculous thing to change it case by case for this kind of thing. Because is it next time a player threatens to get another co, you're going to do that? But um, yeah. I don't think we have to modify any rules to keep promising young players under NRL contract because mm. yeah, this is like the like we've been stealing players from rugby now for a few years. Like, I don't think shouldn't be afraid of other sports. And if someone's going to get paid a lot of money to play another sport, go ahead. My my question regarding stealing players from rugby is: Does stealing players from rugby union at this point come under the same heading as like taking a handful of breath mints at the hotel? It's not theft because it's free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it. Mitch, I Mary, you're going to say something. I agree with you. I really do. Like this young kid getting paid that am- amount of money. If rugby want to fight and pay that much money for him, honestly, say good luck to him because we don't have a lack of talent coming through rugby league. And I would actually prefer we don't play young players that much money. And I think lowering the age is really dangerous, not just from a physical perspective, but a mental perspective as well. Yeah. And also, like, I mean, we, we don't I, – I, I'm not a doctor, and this would all be solved if the players just wore headgear. But, like – Oh, I'm not a doctor. Those kind of – those kind of, like, it, we all know the, the, the stories of, like, massive head trauma at young age. And obviously, four sequels – what is it? It's four sequels, mass times acceleration. So, like, it's it's one thing for, a, for this um, Suwali kid to be playing against – 
you know, and dominating kids his own age at like 16 or whatever it is. But like, if he comes up against getting tackled by like Dylan Napa's planetary forehead, then there's going to be, you know, problems. Yeah. Like imagine running into Tamalolo's knees at the age of 17. Like, no, I don't like this idea. And, and the thing Mary mentioned too, go ahead and pay that money because if he gets paid that in union, he'd be like the second highest paid player over there and they haven't got a lot of money yeah. right now. Like, go his, ahead. His income would be like higher than the entire Australian Super Rugby franchises. Yeah. It's like, this, like I know they, they desperately want to gamble, but like feels like one of the dumbest gambles ever considering the state that sports in. I would have like, been negligent, know. Mitch, to be honest. Mm. Like who's, who's even in charge right now? I have no idea. <laughs> That's it. Anyway, it's, next it's Peter Fitzsimons. He's in charge. <laughs> it is. Oh, good old Peter doing his best to try and paint. This is a good decision. Union doing that as well. Just loves loves going down with the ship there. Uh, Jack Snape. So, what do you make of the Telly's rich list? Where is the salary cap transparency debate at in twenty twenty? It's a good question. Um, it's there's not enough. There's not enough transparency, and I think that's. Plain to see. I mean, we've all we've we've spoken about the fact that we believe that there should be more transparency with the salary cap. Um, oh, but your salary isn't published. Yeah, we know we've been down that. Like, I think they just need it. It will happen one day, um, mm. but I think it will be pushed further out, push push further and further out by um, the 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 plague of you know very powerful player agents wanting to keep their uh, keep their players kind of under wraps and keep themselves in the dark, dark shadows of out of the rugby league media and in the wilderness. I think that's the only thing that will um, kind of lengthen the time that we lo- we know so little about these players' salaries. Yeah, I'm with you there. And it's um, I'm all pro-transparency. But that rich list, again, those are just best guesses. Like, you'll, go, you'll find last year and next year different numbers completely for, for those. So I just, I like looking at it. Purely for the sense that you could vote on each single one about if they were got, if they got lucky, if they were overpaid, if there was good deal, or they were underpaid, and like again, as you expect, ninety percent of them overpaid apparently. <laughs> good old fans. Um, any isn't thoughts this, on isn't, salaries? Isn't Mary? this the whole thing about being underrated? Isn't this just what the NRL is going down now? Yeah, everyone's overpaid. Everyone's uh, everyone's underrated and everyone's overpaid. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Any uh, salary thoughts, Mary? Um, I agree with you guys in that it should be transparent and I think that would stop a lot of the chatter around this club being over the salary cap, that club being over the salary cap. Like as soon as the Roosters announced that they were looking at Sonny Bill Williams, I knew that that would be the chat for the whole week. How can they possibly afford him? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Oh, man. I couldn't care less about that. Hey, it's like why? it's only about affording him. We all know it's not going to come with a lot of money and, he's, and he's England's salary cap isn't relevant. I just don't want Sonny Bill back because I'm already sick of talking about him. I'm so glad you said that, Mitch, because I also couldn't care less. The only thing I do care about is if the NRL makes a stand in regard to Sonny Bill Williams, then that should apply across the board. Because I remember like, I don't know what it was, like eight, nine years ago, Parramatta wanted to sign Israel for Lau yeah. and that was blocked. I don't care yeah. that the position's changed, but we have to be consistent. And we saw that all block with Ricky Latelli as well. Yeah, and I'm with you on that too, Mary. I'm actually sick of fans saying, oh, but don't they have to place a value on players? Look at what happened with Falau to Para. Well, that was a long time ago. The rules are different. But yeah. uh, as and you said, what they do now. 
Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, geez, wouldn't, wouldn't that, wouldn't that signing have aged like milk? Yeah. Anyway, our next question comes from... God, this is a long question for me to read. <laughs> God damn it, Harvey G. Okay. The greatest warriors of the ancient world, the Spartans and the sacred band of... Is, this, is it Thebes? Thebes. Uh, how do I say that? The, Thebes? Okay. Mary, Mary, you're of, you're of European heritage. Thebes? Sounds about right. <laughs> okay, that'll do. We're, we're almost undefeated in battle because of the cultural practice of homosexual relationships between soldiers. Oh, here mm. we go. Basically, the fact that those boys constantly shagged each other was said to be the basis of a strong emotional bond, which gave them unbreakable dedication to the man next to them. Mitchell Pierce and Caleb Ponga gave each other a big kiss in their win over South a few weeks back. Then in back-to-back losses to the Bulldogs and Storm, nary a smooch could be seen. Mm. Is this a coincidence? Well, the Knights rocketed a true premiership contention if they ramp up the gay factor even more. <laughs> E.g. starts elevating tries to open mouth passages. passages. Change their team songs to a reigning man, etc., etc. <laughs> what what's the, what's the, what's the saying? What's the saying? It's uh, the Greeks invented sex and the Romans introduced it to women. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a Greek on here. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is interesting though that uh, the, the 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 knights aren't smooching anymore. Maybe, maybe, I mean, you know, as I remember you saying when you went up there for something, you were like, it was like going back into the nineteen seventies, um, yeah. where, where your Uber driver was. Cat calling women as he drove past, um, but yeah, not enough smooching. I think that's a I think that's a, a good motto for for rugby league. Is more smooching. Remember the Gronks on social media um, following the yes. kiss between Vanessa Foliaki and Karina Brown. Mm. Could you imagine what would happen? I mean, yes. I'm here for it. Yes, I, I'm I, here I'm... for it. <laughs> I, I I want to be there when this. Well, not there, but I want to see the smooch. You know? I mean, it is social media of threatening to boycott a cheese because it's changing its name from Coon. Can yeah. you imagine what the fuck they're going to do if two blokes kiss on a rugby, like actually kiss on a rugby league field? <laughs> I'd love to see it. Mm. I'm all about okay. it. Um, that's okay. Next, next question or story, <laughs> whatever that was. Um, Andy Valente, who is currently worse at the selection process at their club, Mary Gregor or Des Hasler? And and he's put in hashtag bust for cuss. I don't know what bust for cuss means. Is the but is he busting? Oh, okay. Talking about cake cuss, right? Yeah, yeah but you know, I was saying bust it, like the bust part. I just realised bust a nut for cake cuss. <laughs> who's the um, who's the who is it? Kep? Is it Kep? Kepi? Who plays Kepi. it? I did see a sign at at uh, Brookvale the other day that was Kepi Chino, and I was disappointed. You can do better with this. Be better. You can. Kepi Chino. Yeah. Ridiculous. That's a shocker. That goes up where, there with the um, GST sign that I love so much. I fucking hate oh. that sign so much. <laughs> the commitment oh. of man. I really praise him. There's an even worse one out there from a graphic point of view, but I won't shame the poor person who owns it. It's basically <laughs> it's basically some kids, some someone's six-year-olds had a go with a red brush and a, and a white sheet. And, you know, we should encourage these artistic endeavours um, like good well, grammar school parents. Um Who's who's worse? I mean, Mary. Yeah. What's, what's question? the question? Yeah, Kay Cuss back anyway. Sorry, Mary. Manly have a lot of injuries. I yes. mean, yeah. I mean, it's it is funny though. Like, funny probably the wrong word, but it is interesting that because I know we've got I know we've got a shorter season, but like it just feels like there are so many injuries in the league this year. Dara, like the very. 
the Verils and um, Radley one the other week, like that Verils ACL made me feel sick. Dale, I was going to say, I think um, that's been something I've been re- really interested in, how this season and the way it's structured is impacting our players. And I was thinking about it. This will probably be the longest stretch most of them have had to play rugby league week in, week out almost ever, right? We usually have mm. a break for the buys, for origin, all that sort of stuff. So the demands this season I think are far more because of the week in, week out nature of it. I mean, yeah, I mean, especially for those blokes who aren't like rep players, um, this will be the first time that they will have played a full season of games week in, week out, ever. Um and that that was that's obviously taxing, and also not just that, but kind of having to go into a kind of pupaic, um, you know, like a, 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 like a hibernation. Like they've they effectively had to shut down the comp for a few weeks, and I know that they were training and all that kind of stuff, and they would have been training at home. But like Brandon Smith having a a, a, a treadmill and a bike in his hotel room because he was on lockdown for two weeks. Um, like, you know, this is, it is unprecedented. And obviously, again, it'll be interesting to look back in, in a number of years and kind of, there'll be, there'll be studies done on this year around the world about how this has kind of affected, um, you know, how the stop start nature of it has affected the way the competitions run. Um, but yeah, it is, it is interesting watching these, these blokes, the, the number of lost weeks this this season has just been astronomical. It feels a lot worse. I don't know that's anecdotal and there's no data behind it, although um, there will be. But it you're right. It does feel really weird having like – like the, the Roosters have got like six frontline players out. It just feels completely um, bizarre. Yeah, I think – I don't know. Again, I don't know if I'm leaning towards that same thing of just thinking there's more injuries or what there is. Like every year we seem to do this, but this year is that I feel like there's a lot of injuries at good teams. You know, usually teams in the top eight, you, you avoid injuries. That's how you stay in the top eight. But this year it's like, oh, there's lots of injuries at the at the bunnies, the seagulls, at the knights, at the sharks, at the roosters, at the raiders. It's like, oh, okay, it's everybody. It's yeah, weird. even Parramatta. Yeah. Um, anyway, next question comes from Christopher. Oh, this is a, this is a hard one. And he says, "Am I the only Asian Patreon subscriber?" <laughs> we are, well, I, I do, we don't have a ticker race box for the sign up. It's unfortunately. Like, I hope not. Yeah, we need to diversify our bonds. In the words of Wu Tang Financial. That's it. Uh, Harvey G, should the Knights try and shop Mitchell Pierce's off season in order to facilitate the move towards a cool names only backline of Kalen Ponga, Stafford Toa, Bradman Best, Nathaniel Sasangi, uh, Enari Tula, Tex Hoy, and Phoenix Crossland? I mean, they did Great. just buy Blake Green. Sure, but yes. they won't, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's also the names is a one reason to do it. Obviously, probably the main reason to do it. But second reason to do that is Mitchell Pierce isn't actually that good, and he's like every player who's on a million dollars gets crit- almost all of them get hung out for drive for drive being a million dollar man when they don't play well. Mm. Mitchell Pierce is there, and it's Callum Pong is the one getting hung out to drive for being a million dollar man right now. And Mitch Pierce gets to swan along as always, just whatever, just float along there and don't but get criticized. And that's so funny because like. Ponga is a very regular guest on the major broadcaster of the NRL. Yeah. So. 
obviously they must feel that because he's got a contractual arrangement, they're allowed to have those conversations. But I wonder whether if he was not, they would not. Yeah. Okay. Names. Um, mm. Is there a more Gold Coast name than Tanner Boyd? It was a good that's move a, back there for him, hey. That's <laughs> a good one, hey. Mm. He looks very Gold Coast too, hey. It's like, yeah. that's actually the perfect marriage. When he came out in the in the Titans jersey the first time, I was like, okay, he's where he belongs. This that's where Tanner Boyd, that blonde. Mm-hmm. He needs smaller shorts. That would be <laughs> he does. <laughs> so he, he can can Tanner Boyd be the new age Warwick Capper of the Gold Coast, but with oh, less, you know, <laughs> allegations. Yes, maybe. Um, anyway, next question, Warwick Ahern. It's a question for me, so I'll ask me this question. Okay. <laughs> me, were there any positive takeaways from the Broncos' loss on Friday night from your point of view? Seems like they made a good go of it before running out of steam for the last 10, 15. Okay, me. Well, I think, um, yes, there is positives from that game. Purely the difference in that side when Jake Turpin and Tom Deaton are in the side and Brody Croft is not. The, the team... The ball seems to sing, and it's not a coincidence that's when there's Turpin and Bo- Deard in there. If you, if you watch when, we, when Brody Croft plays, he plays very sh- shallow before the line, passes too deep, doesn't engage the line. And, and what ends up happening is any time the half doesn't go forward, all the guys outside him can't go forward. And it ends up looking that, you know, the Broncos' attack looked very stagnant and, and shonky all season with that. And all of a sudden, last week, you bring Tom Dearden in, and, you know, whilst, whilst Brody Croft makes halfback, Look harder than morning wood. Tom <laughs> Dearden makes it, look, <laughs> makes it look easy. Like Dearden just, you know, fighting around the field, crisp passing, playing direct and, and moving forward. And all of a sudden, he saw these tries the Brisbane were scoring off set plays they hadn't scored all season. And I know Boy got a lot of credit there at fullback, but all of them had Tom Dearden at first receiver moving fast and getting the ball out in front of the men outside him. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what happens when he does that, everybody else is going forward. And when and if you watch when Brody does it, very often he'll do it, and the person he passes to next will catch the ball behind himself. Then everyone else outside him will stop. The whole thing will shut down. The main positive is how good Dean and Turpin look. And Turpin has a thing as well that like he seems to just throw the ball at Milford and force Milford to get involved. I love that as well. I'm sure Anthony Milford loves that. Yes. Being, being asked to do his job. Yeah, I know exactly right. But it's just like it's just yeah, the team moves much better with him. Anyway, mm-hmm. next question, Harvey G. Was rugby league a better sport when Nathan Cleary was shit? <laughs> it's the thing with Cleary is it's hard, but it's hard to like go back and look at the memes, you know, or to like have a laugh at him now because like they're playing really well. So is he? Why can't he just be the meme player anymore? I think um, I said this in our previous podcast. Like he's um, yeah, he's been really good this year, really good. But um, it's good to see that they took Dally M points off him because they messed that up. He didn't get his Dally M points deducted bec- uh, during the break with um, because I guess they messed up with the suspension or whatever. But he lost mm-hmm. his points now. Uh, but yeah, he has probably been the best halfback in the competition, and and he's clearly like I don't care what anyone says, clearly a shit broke to me. <laughs> I've said it before, like this is a privileged silver spoon, right? I believe equivalent of a silver spoon. Not a big fan, but. Mary, I'm sure you like him because you like a lot of players. You got any clear takes? Do you know what, Mitch? Um, this is probably going to shock some of your listeners, and I can't <laughs> admit it. He's actually my most disliked player in the NRL. Yes. Sort of Gronks. 
Yes. He just he's he's like the epitome of young dickhead, isn't he? Mm. Like the TikTok video, I don't know why it irked me so much. It's not like it was so bad. He just there's something about him and the whole thing about him, you know, Penrith getting his dad over there. It's just the whole thing. I just don't like it. Yeah. And even when I see how he dresses, it makes me mad because he's oh, yeah. again dresses like the kid who thinks he's a cool kid. I'm like, man, and he looks terrible too. Yeah. He did rock in in like four different colors to Penrith training with a hat on, like, you know, bright yellow sneakers and pink shorts and a black hoodie and a white hat on. It's like, mate, just because it costs money doesn't mean it's cool. That's a very good, very good analogy. It reminds me of, it reminds me of when Neymar first came to Europe. Yeah. And he was just like, I've just got all this money and I'm going to wear bling and my hat's up fucking 90 degrees off my head. And I'm wearing like six hoodies and board shorts and a thousand dollar pair of Air Jordans. And I'm like, you look like an actual sex offender. Yeah, you look terrible. And yeah. Nathan Cleary dresses just like that. Yeah. Like an absolute idiot. Um, okay, anyway, next question. I could sit here all night and bash Nathan Cleary. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, M, M asked, she missed last week, but she's still on this train. What's one of your, one thing that you hate the most in rugby league, as unreasonable as that might be? She wants to hear rants about things no one else cares about here, boys. Okay, and girl now. <laughs> okay, um, what's something that irks you? Mary, you go. You go first. Oh, this one's hard. I think the thing that's irking me most this year is the commentary, to be honest. And I know that's just not a this year problem, but it is something that has been bothering me. And the more that you two talk about it on this podcast, the more I notice it and the more it bothers me. I'm with you on that one. That's one of my big irks. One of my smaller irks is, and this is probably, again, this actually no one cares about this, but me and like 10 people. The incorrect use of data to analyze player performances, mainly yes. the highlighting of missed tackles or tackle efficiency as the one overall judge of a player's defensive quality and the highlighting of run meters as the only thing to judge a player's attacking quality. Mm. I hate all of those, but I particularly hate missed tackles and tackle efficiency because, again, tackle efficiency is not a measure of how good of a tackler you are. It's a measure of how many tackles you attempt do you complete. That's mm. all it's measuring. Of tackles you attempted, how many of those did you finish? Not measuring, hey, you're an amazing defender. No, it's just if you make contact, you stayed in contact. That's all it's measuring. But, yeah, that, that one irks me. And the missed tackles irks me too because, again, you can miss a tackle and actually do your job. And also you can miss space and not do your job. That's the reason why other stats like try causes and break causes exist. Like when Darius Boyd is only missing one tackle a week but we're conceding four tries down his edge, maybe you can figure out that maybe missed tackles isn't the best statistic to rate players' defense on. But... Whatever, here we are. That's me, bitch. Like, other people might care about that. but yeah. It's a good one. I like that. Uh, okay. Mine is the seven tackle set rule. Oh, yeah. For the, the way that it's applied. I hate, uh, I hate like a knock on in the end goal is seven tackles. Or a player, yeah. a player being tackled into. A player being tackled over the sideline in goal, in like into touch in goal, is seven tackles. Or a player not grounding the ball, uh, a player grounding the ball over the dead ball line is seven. T- I hate that. Like it was put in place to stop players kicking from 50 metres over the dead ball line. It's circa 2010-2011 Dragons. It's just, it's a frustrating misappropriation and misapplication of rule 
that was poorly constructed to begin with and continues to be poorly policed. And and I, I just think the rule is dumb. It's just like, mm. that's the easiest way to put it. Nailed it, Matt. I've come around on the seven tackle set rule in general, mm. but but I do hate it that you can like bobble trying to score a try yeah, and we want people. You want players to try and score points. You know, yes. they're supposed to promote attacking football, but that'll happen, and then you loot, you cop seven tackles. Mm. It's like okay, kicking why? the kicking the ball dead on the second tackle per Josh McCrone in the Raiders podcast. You should have ten tackles. That's how it should work. The dumbness of the play should should be represented in the ne- the next set. But like as I said, if you if you drop the ball reaching for the try line over the try line, it doesn't make sense that it should be seven tackles. That's it. Have you got one, Mary? I've got bigger, more broader irks. I can talk about how irked I get when people complain that the NRLW is only four teams, if you like. Yes, do it. Okay, so this is one of my most, the most one, one of the most annoying takes I hear is that the NRL doesn't take the women's game seriously because it only has four teams. Now, the first thing to understand about that is that only a couple of teams put in bids for licenses because of the cost and also because teams didn't have a lot of time that first time to put in their bids. The NRL made a decision, a strategic decision to keep the game small. They actually spoke with the female players about it at the time because they wanted a quality competition that would be marketable and sustainable. And I know with the AFLW, there's been a lot of criticism about the quality of that competition. I don't want to dive into that at all. But in the NRL space, we haven't had that criticism at all because the talent and the competition has been sustainable. And it will mm-hmm. grow, give it a couple of years. But um, they didn't keep it small because they don't care about the women's game. Agreed. Nailed it. I have the argument here all the time. You can't just throw in 16 women's teams that expect it to be a good quality. Why? But why are there... But why are there... Th- 320 AFL women's players and only like 15 of them are good. Yeah, exactly. Why? Get out of here, you bum. Yeah, and my, my other, this is not a small irk. My other irk is like, right now, I know we talked at the media, but my biggest irk now is like, it's been there forever, but this year particularly, how hard media are trying to find a reason to blame referees now yeah. for losses. Oh. There's been so many blowout losses, but they're finding in games that like, not like the Mike has seen a deliberate forward passing. Yes. I, firstly, I don't even know if you can actually call that like, with the way the rules written. I don't even know if you can call it a deliberate forward pass because of how it's written. The deliberate forward pass rule is written the fact that you have to, you have to be intentionally throwing the ball to a player in front of you. The referee has to decided you have thrown it to someone you knew was in front of you. So I don't even know if you can call it deliberate forward pass just based on that. But secondly, that rule, from what I understand, only exists back from the days of a contested scrums because. The reason why it exists is, you know, when the scrums are contested, say you were really good at contesting scrums, you got the fifth tackle. Instead of kicking the ball to the other team, you go, fuck it. Let's have a scrum and win this ball back. You just throw it forward. So that's an error. And then you contest the scrum and then you could win it back. That's a rule from like 1890. Good. We haven't said the route forward pass called in the last, like, God knows how long because no one gives a fuck. Okay, they don't fucking matter. They're not. It's a dumb rule anyway to get penalised for it with no connects and scrums now. But trying to like call Marcus Sevo running it sideways and potentially throwing it forward over the sideline or deliberate forward pass should definitely like give him a penalty and take the game or para. Fuck off. That one bugs me too, Mitch. It's Fox's go-to now on their socials. Find some tiny thing in a game and make it a refereeing controversy. I find it really gross, to be honest. 
it's it's just pathetic. I don't get it. I don't know why anyone cares. Like I was like, you wait, you went. That was the thing you picked out of that game. That moment, not like, hey, should Aiden Tolan taken the two? It's like no, those dastardly bloody referees have missed a deliberate forward pass and ruined the game for the Bulldogs. Tell you what, Mitch, just quietly, yeah. if um, Aiden Tolman had scored in that game, my father would have gone into cardiac arrest. It would have been the end of him. Oh my god. <laughs> Mate, to- to- that game from Tolman, he scored the week before in that second half. He was terrible, but that tap was classic, like, overconfidence. Like, I'm going to dart here like prime Benji, <laughs> catch him off guard and put it under the post. No, you <laughs> ain't, champ. No. So bad. Okay, anyway, let's go to the next question because uh, we could probably ran on that one for a while, it feels like. But Emma has again, and a reporter, Katie Brown, made her debut for South last week. In that vein, which NRL journal who's not an ex-player would you put in the game? And yes, you can pick Buzz. Well, I mean, this is obviously big country Campton. <laughs> yeah. Out there for me. Like, putting him in there at seven for the Broncos, getting in to sort the boys out. Yeah, I mean, we, can, we cannot have them continuing to do it all day with Nick exactly. Campton playing in the halves. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I put it there. Other one I put in there is Pete Bedell to get run over. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. I uh, I liked it. I liked. I'm glad that she. You know, it must have been something that's been like, because that's one thing that a lot of women journalists cop is that they've never played at the top level. And like, mm. I don't. You don't. You know, Arigo Saki once famously said that you don't have to have been a horse to be a jockey. Um, but like, and that's that might have been something with Katie and and Mary. You're probably closer with Katie, obviously being a fellow a fellow woman journal. But like, it it might be something that eats up at um. Young, especially young women journalists who don't feel like they've cut, you know, kind of earned their stripes yet by playing enough footy, for example. I interviewed Katie last week after the game and wrote a bit of a story about her. And it had been something that had been in the back of her mind for a little while, ever since she saw the NRLW on television. But what was interesting is, is what you've just touched on. It was actually Katie holding Katie back. She was worried what the players would think of her. But I think part of her as well, she actually said in the interview that, Perhaps part of her also wanted to um to bust that myth that you know she was a female rugby league reporter because she wanted to be close to the players. Like, mm. loves the game. She wanted to play the game. She wants to be part of the game, and she's absolutely loving footy. and And I loved seeing her play. I loved it. It was great. How how was it? How was her game though? How did she go? Played <clears throat> quite well. And Jamie Feeney was down there, and he was actually really impressed at how she played as well, and particularly her courage in hitting the ball up. She enjoyed getting tackled. Just good. Good. There you go. There you go, Bunga. Not all, not all journos are soft. Yeah, and as you, if you want to know, Jamie Feeney's the uh, NLW coach for the Roosters, so if you didn't know that. So it might mm. be a bit of a scouting mission there, but yeah. Anyway, next question. Warwick Hearn, he says, is it too early for Big Tino for Queensland hype? No. And no, mate. We, we, I was on that hype in preseason. It's too late. He's in the team. <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to learn how to say his name properly. I, I've been practicing, but my tongue gets twisted quite a bit. Mm. Big Tino. <laughs> Big Tino, that's it. That's yeah. just, and he, we do it all Islander players. Yeah. Just give him a nickname. Big Nelson. Big Tino. Yeah. Maybe we call him Tiny Tino because he's so big. Yeah, Tiny's he's good. Not. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, anyway, next question. Uh, Carlo Tyshen, is the breakdown of the Lockyer relationship legit? And if so, is that one of the saddest stories ever seen in rugby league? 
Uh, oh, okay. You guys can talk about it, but if you think it's sad or not, but it's it's hundred percent legit. I know Wayne spoke about it last year too, and and Lockie's spoken about it too. They're not in talking terms anymore. And um, for me, obviously a massive a sad story in rugby league because there's there's famous photos of those two like in each other's arms. You know, Lockie pretty much crying when they won premierships together, and mm. they they were pretty much best mates for for twenty or thirty years, and now they don't talk. Definitely sad, and um. You know, another indictment on Darren Lockie's administrative career at the Broncos. Hmm. I also think it's really sad, Mitch, especially given we know Wayne Bennett has been in the game a long time. His family's grown up. I understand he's not married anymore. To lose a friend like that, I think, would be really, really hard. Yeah, yeah and again, they built so much together. They, hmm. they, they, they're both very responsible for what the Broncos became, and 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 there, they've for whatever reasons have, have fallen out, and yeah. Not nice for me. But Carlo's next question. Now that Andrew Abdo has provided written support from the NRL for a bronze statue of Andrew Joey Johns, is this proof that he's already a better CEO than Todd Greenberg, who wouldn't even <laughs> tweet his support? And should Mr. Abdo have the job permanently? Please provide reasons for your answers is yes to both why your answer is yes to both questions. Uh I, I look, I, I have been on the uh Joey Johns should have a statue uh train for a little bit. The only question now is is what the what the pose is? I think that's the question that we all should be asking, um, and maybe maybe it should maybe it should be made out of Lego. I think it should a, be skateboard in pose. honor of his comments. Skateboard. I want him horizontal, like the airport. <laughs> <laughs> or or could we have him face like head down after he got knocked out trying to make that tackle? In uh, yes. was it super was it Super League? Oh, was it not? What was it? Ninety seven. Uh, Super League, uh, not Super League, 97 uh, State of Origin where they wore the dark blue jerseys. Was that 95? Anyway. I can't remember, mate. I know what instant you're talking about, but I can't yeah. remember that particularly. But I also am very pro the red hair as well. Oh, good. Red hair. Good. I like that. We have to find a, a medal that gets more red as it ages. Okay. So <laughs> uh, oh, we can have an iron oxide head. <clears throat> Why not? Make it Why happen. Not? Okay. Uh, and... Uh, no, this is just proves another yes man who wasn't willing to commit to the job and and uh, obviously put his money behind the Joey Johns project. Literally, just part, handed the ball off to the council. So <laughs> I don't know if that's the kind of leader you want, Carlo. But I want a man of action. Well, either say he's in or he's out. Not say, oh yeah, I support it, but go talk to the council. Yeah, I mean, passing the ball off to the most more responsible person does seem like a very uh, Maddie Johns thing to do. So it's appropriate that it's an Andrew Johns statue. <laughs> that's it. Uh, two more patron questions. Manny P says, should the Dragons tell Gareth Hood to kick rocks since he's already turned his back on us and we're not spending more time in rehab than playing? Uh, I would take him over Corey Norman. Um, yes. His shoulder his shoulder obviously still worries me um, purely because like, we know how much trouble he's had over the last two years, really, with the shoulder. Um, but like I... I really liked Gareth Woodup um, as a footy player, and he seemed he seemed to. I think that he would still fit into the team well. I I would definitely take him over Norman. I'd take yeah. anyone over Corey Norman. <laughs> That's it. But I do think the problem they face is not the Gareth Woodup thing; it's the getting rid of Corey Norman thing. I think the yeah. part of it is that Corey Norman won't go there. So yeah, why would why would that happen? Um, and yeah. I mean, Widdop. I think the Dragons are something about their first order refusal if he comes back, but yeah, mm. I don't think the answer 
Again, they brought back Trent Merrin. What about that? No, the answer is not going back. It's moving forward, and I like Widdop a lot. But yeah, they shouldn't. They shouldn't bring him back. But also, it's got nothing to do with if he spurned the club or not. They would take him back, obviously. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And his last question is: Mitch's asshole. Why Maddie hate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Okay. Anyway, over on to uh, on on to Twitter, where the rest of the questions <laughs> leave, guys. You got hammered here. Well, yeah, you didn't get hammered that much on Patreon because I asked those questions earlier in the week. But here are the good people of Twitter, as we said, the uh, cesspit you referred to earlier. <laughs> uh, so, Paul Mack, I don't know if he's asking this question of the three of us here or us and Bungar, but let's we can try and address all of it. But he said, have always wondered how you three all met. Uh, well, Mitch, uh, Bungard and I also all used to stand behind... Uh, we used to stand behind the cove at Sydney FC games on the carpet at Moore Park. Um, yep. And we all met there, probably th- several terrible mid-strength beers in. Um, <laughs> we, we, Mitch and I, well, actually, I, I think we were all paired up at that point. We were all coupled up. Mm. But Mitch and I have since, uh, uh, since with different partners and Bungard's obviously married, um, but yeah, you know, that was what, like six years ago now. And it took us a while before, if I remember correctly, it took us a while before we kind of decided that we wanted to do anything um, with yeah. the podcast. But yeah, it's, um, the, I guess the rest is history. Oh, well, the, the stadium's not there anymore. So, you know, mm, I guess it literally it. is history. Uh, yeah. And I think like, and it wasn't like a lot of people, I've, I've met a lot of my fr- current friends now off Twitter and similar. And whilst we're all on Twitter, I actually, I, I, I didn't like arrange to for memory didn't arrange to meet you guys because of Twitter. It was just like we were at Sydney FC games and I met you guys and I knew Bungard and you were on Twitter, but it wasn't like yeah. a meetup kind of thing. And it just grew from there, right? That's how my rem- 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 memories of it. But as you know, memories are uh, remembering the last time you told a story, not yes. remembering what actually happened. Yes. <laughs> so maybe I'm wrong on that. And Mary, like that, that was. For me, you might be story. You might be different with us, but for me, purely Twitter, Mary, we invited you on the podcast. Pretty much how we met, right? Absolutely, Mitch. Do I remember though that you were doing something super coach related, and I would give you, you would give me tips, or I would give you tips. I remember something. God, the dark days when I played super coach. It's a few years ago now. Um, what? Maybe I can't remember. I don't like. Maybe I just talked about it a lot and we ended up sharing tips. Maybe we did, but it was definitely that year. And then um, you invited me onto the pod and I remember Matt Bungard opened the elevator to his place and it took me a minute to recognise him. And it was oh, really? Friends yeah. of us. Much, much uglier. Everyone does yeah, say it, actually. I much uglier say, in person. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, once the filter wears off, far less hair once he's undrawn it on. Nothing really unique. Yeah. But um, anyway, next question uh, comes from David Hundo. He says, with Madison returning and being success, what other Eels Jr. playing elsewhere would Mary want to return? This is one that I was thinking about. I remember a couple of years ago the story doing the rounds was how many Parramatta players were playing for other clubs. Mm. Do you two have any good suggestions? I can't think of any good. There would be, but I can't think of any running around. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Those, those articles generally only really pop up when you're doing really shit. <laughs> like, That's true. Hey, the Tigers are getting it now. Um, but like, I'll, I'll have a quick think now. I'm sure I can think of some. But Madison was one of those ones that got away. Yes, and now he's back. Uh, 
Here we go. I'll pull up a, an NYC team from 2017. Why not? Let's have a look here. Come on. Okay. Okay, there's nobody in this team you'd want back. <laughs> <laughs> you have the ones I'd want. I'm looking through it and there's like Ray Stone, you know, whatever, but Oregon Cavusi, Reed Marnie, Dylan Brown, you have all there. We have all the ones we want. Yeah, Sean Kepi is another first grader, but he's a oh, you wouldn't couldn't give a shit about him coming back or not. So you have all you want that year. Not not really huge. So um Oh God, we have to have an answer to this question. Dave, there has to be someone. A suggestion, I'd love to hear it, just because um, Mitch is right. We haven't had one of those articles in a while. I of 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 teams of of Parramatta juniors, or I mean, mm. no, no, you can no, not not my not my area of expertise, unfortunately. <laughs> I haven't been following the Parramatta junior pathways for a while. Mate. No, I haven't. Unfortunately, oh, I actually. Actually, I have got one, and and you know what? You probably still don't even need him this year. But Alex Twall. Oh, but if, one be, but know. we would have to get injury updates first. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. a he's a he's a good one, Alex Twall. I like a bit like a bit of he Alex is. Twall. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, no, nah, I don't really know if there's that many other ones. Like the last, you ha- you weren't doing very well four or five years ago, so I don't think you want really any of those players back, do you? No, we don't. No. Okay. Uh, anyway, now uh, David's next question. Mary, have you finally converted our cold hearts to the joy of Eels fandom? Not even I'm that good, David, nor am I that cruel either. Yeah, that's what he said. He said joy of Eels fandom. And I don't remember the part where you, it's been pure joy being an Eels fan. I literally cannot, I literally cannot remember joy from being an Eels fan. I, tell I you mean, what the, one, the one joyous moment you had was taken away from you because you cheated the salary cap. Yes, the nines. Like, that was pure joy, and then that was taken away from me. Oh, and the other thing that was joyous was uh, was taken away from you because the other team cheated the salary cap, which was the 2009 grand final. Sure. <sighs> yeah. Even then, looking back at, like, 2015, Eels team and, like, oh, okay, I he's not, I don't know if he counts. Semi Radradra. Does he count? I don't know. I don't know. I'd have him back. He was yeah, fun. Bring him back. Yeah, bringing back. And another one, like other guys, again, you lost like Josh Alloye, but again, don't really need him back. No. Tyrell Fumiano, don't really need him back. Like, there's not that many you, you, you want back. Bevan French isn't doing that well out, no. elsewhere either. I think you've made all the, the right kind of decisions the last couple of years. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd agree with that. I mean, and that's that's the that's the thing. Like, those those ones that you named, like Tyrell Fumiano, I am not, like, he's a very... He's a bit of a yo-yo player for me. Like he's he's very king yeah. of he's got big king of New South Wales Cup areas written all over him. Yeah, I agree with you, mate. And then even when Will Hopawadi hasn't been that good since either. Okay. Um anyway, he's not he's not a Parramatta Junior anyway, what am I saying? He's just going back to Para. Uh next question comes from uh it's Joey is goat, so Carlo Taishan on Twitter now. He wants to ask Mary about the Andrew John stat- statue. She says rugby league goat. An eighth immortal. Should he have a statue? Please provide reasons why your answer is yes. All right. My reason why the answer is yes is because he's now mentoring Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown, so he should definitely get a statue. <laughs> With their names on it? <laughs> <laughs> they could be they could be carrying him out of the airport. <laughs> oh, my God. oh god, I'm look I'm looking through as you're talking through old Parramatta Eels. Juniors teams, you don't want any of these players back. We well, don't. 
No, it's it. You're fine. If if I would like to actually, like you said, I'd like to hear David says he'd like back on the team because um, I really can't think of any of them. Would have taken Paul Gallen, but that was many years ago. God, isn't that one of the ones that's so tired that you've heard about that one so much? Yeah. Do you even care anymore? Yes. You did. You did care. No, I don't care. That's the thing. It's that's it. Yeah. So much that I don't care anymore. Yeah. Okay. Um. Next question comes from David again. Which year between 97 and 2000 was the one that got away the most, Mary? Oh, that's... 2001, sorry. 97 to 2001. I have to say 2001 because we were the best team by far that year. That year the title should have been ours and it just simply wasn't meant to be. And I think that mm-hmm. was the first year. Oh no, actually, nineteen ninety eight was the first year I experienced true pain. But why is that? On one, we certainly should have won. There was no excuse that year. What was the other true pain in ninety eight you experienced? So that was the game Parramatta were leading the Bulldogs eighteen two with twelve minutes to go in the qualifier for the grand final. That was the poor carriage game, Mitch. Yeah, after, great game. After that game, so I've got. That was one of my earliest rugby league memories. I'd been at school that day for some activity. It was a Sunday afternoon. It was the days of delayed telecast. So I convinced oh, them to let me listen to the game on the way home. And when I got home, Parramatta were 18 too, and my dad was watching the TV and it was much earlier in the game. And I curled up to him and I said, Dad, we've got this, don't worry. And it was just a train wreck after that. After the game, my dad went out and tried to get himself hit by a car, but we lived in a cul-de-sac at that point. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never liked your dad more than right now. I know those feelings. <laughs> Somebody in this pain. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. Uh, anyway, next question. Uh, Jack Cronin. Oh, this is this is the uh, the terrible Mary Rose on its way. Are there any players Mary doesn't like? And if so, please name them. We named one with Nathan Cleary. So, any other players you don't like? Jack, I'm so embarrassed to admit this, but when I saw this question, I actually went through the team list this week to see if there were players <laughs> that I disliked. Oh, no. Come on, name one or two more. So, name and shame. The only ones other than the normal ones that people don't like, so like your Josh Maguire, your Matt Lodge, are, par- are players that played for Parramatta and did really, really poorly. So think like Corey Norman, Will Hopawade, Kieran Foran. They're the ones that I yeah. like, but I couldn't come up with anything else. Yeah, well, luckily for you, none of those. Like, I think Hopawade isn't good now too, but the worst ones are the ones that play poorly for you then go and kill it elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. At least they haven't really killed it elsewhere. <laughs> True. There's no there's no, yeah, no uh, love lost there. My secret shame. Not so secret. <laughs> That's not. Um, and then Jack also asked, is this podcast the start of a transition from a Raiders podcast to an Eels podcast? And if so, how do I cancel the Patreon thing? It's <laughs> still a Raiders podcast. Yeah, it's definitely still a Raiders certified podcast. I think with the official podcast of the Raiders, just don't don't check that. <laughs> but we definitely are. And uh, anyway, Eels TCT says, tell the people why we are the way we are, Mary. Tell them what it's like to be an Eels fan, terrified of every pass, every play. The fear of someone even whispering the Eels might win a game at the finish or even be considered a premiership contender. Also tell Doyle I said hi. <laughs> the Cumberland throw is like yeah. my my spirit animal. That is how I feel leading into, into every Parramatta game. So my partner Jimmy thinks it's so funny because I never think Parramatta are going to win. I'm a nervous wreck watching the game and I always think something's going to go wrong. And 
The thing with Parramatta being apparent contenders this year, I still don't believe it. Until we can beat a Roosters or a Storm, I'm just waiting for it to go wrong. And that's how I live my life. Yeah. Um, so who does Jimmy support again? It's funny you mentioned that this week. He supports the Sharks. So we're heading into um, Family Feud this weekend. <laughs> Well, luckily, you, apparently you're just going to give the, the game away by the sounds of it. Mitch <laughs> so. wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, that's it. Um, anyway, next question, and this would, would shock you, but it's about being a miserable Eels fan. It comes from Edward Smith. Mary, how do you deal with Paris ups and downs? Expect the worst and have zero expectations so you never hurt? Or ride the wave and say it's Paris year after a gritty turbulent win over the Bulldogs? So Edwin, Edwin's approach, which is riding the wave, I can't do that. And I don't know whether anyone's noticed on Twitter, but whenever anyone mentions anything about the Eels being potential premiership contenders, I put that screaming, crying face because I can't handle it. <laughs> it's too much for you. <laughs> I think it will be too much until the day I see a premiership. I just want one. After that, I don't care what happens. You say that we all want more. We always want more. Yeah. What, what's the saying, Mitch? Family are temporary, but premierships are forever. Yeah, that's what I said. Premierships are permanent. They are. Family temporary, premierships are forever. That's forever. I, sh- I should get that. I should get that into a t-shirt or a mug or tattooed on my face. Yep. <laughs> but then it doesn't go down well with the family when I say that for a reason to miss family events. <laughs> it's the truth. I wonder why, Mitch. Yeah, I wonder why. Well, it's because they're temporary. But see, Mitch, the thing about that is is that I'm so superstitious that if I get invited to a family event and it turns out mm. Matters playing that day, I always go to the family event because I feel like if I go to the Eels game, the Eels will lose to spite me. What, why? You I think need, they might lose you, to spite you, you in general. You sound like you need therapy. This sounds like a, a genuine problem. Like you have professional trust, trust issues with people who don't know you. I'm sick. I told you I'm sick, Dale. I really am. I do need I'm, help. I'm glad that you're at least admitting that you have a problem. The first step is admitting you have a problem, Mary. I admit it. Okay. Um, next question. Impermanent says, your thoughts on rugby sevens players providing unpredictable and different skill sets to the women's competition this year, Mary? I honestly, it doesn't bother me. I say, why not? If there's an opportunity to bring those players across, get some more publicity for our game and show them how tough it is, I, I welcome it. It'll be why it'll not? be really interesting to see the, the contrast in, in between obviously between sevens and, and league. Like I know that there are players who play uh, that the the woman who plays for the Bulldogs and plays for the Giants, uh, who was in that video that the Bulldogs put up this week. Yeah. Yeah, so like obviously there's a fairly similar kind of skill set in in AFL, like being say for example like a hard running midfielder in AFL. There's tackling, you've got to be physically fit, but you're not running all the time. Whereas in sevens, it's so like sprint based, um, and obviously there's mm-hmm. there's differences with like the breakdown and the ruck and things like that. But I will be interested to see if they if they do bring sevens players across, how their skill set translates in into what is a slower but, I guess, um, more endurance-demanding sport, especially considering that sevens games only go for 14 minutes. Mm-hmm, that too. Yeah, okay. Well, interesting, though, as you said, bringing them over could really – I don't know how many would play, but I'm interested to see if, if they do come over and make, make the grade. Anyway, next question. Jack Ricky says, if Mary could guarantee one current Eels remains for the rest of their career, who would it be? That's a good question. Um, my natural inclination would be to say Gutho, but then I think about getting a player that is young and in a good. Good, is that is good. 
Okay. Good. Yep. Yep. <laughs> a Dylan Brown or a Reed Marnie? Mm. I think that's who I'd pick. So, see, as as a man who's a pure excitement addict, Marcus Sevo is my answer if I was an Eels fan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care that he's also older. That's what I want. I don't care if the team turns to shit. It's like it's like at Brisbane, how I, like, I know we don't keep them all, but like losing for feet, I, it hurts more because I'm losing an entertainer than I am losing a great rugby league player. I like those kind of players that can crack games open and, and make me get off my feet every couple of weeks. Mm. Oh, that's so a that's go. a good point. And also, like, Marnie and... Like it's it's not like they're they're a dime a dozen. Like especially those really talented young players. But like Mike Acevo, you you might only get four years out of him, but you'll be talking about him for for the rest of your life. Whereas yeah. with like ah, oh, we had this really good hooker in the mid twenty in the tw- early twenty twenties. It, it is job. He was I really th- good. He was he was he was resourceful. I think the thing with Marnie and Brown, though, is that around the club there's a lot of talk about them having leadership potential as well. So from that aspect yeah. too, they would be a player that you'd sort of build around. Yeah. In terms of excitement, there's no one more exciting than Mike Acevo. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Okay, anyway, next question. Uh, ben Wallace is without the ability to thank thousands of people for being on at the same game as her. How does Mary find material for Twitter? So the reason... <laughs> do that Ben is that it's my way of announcing the crowd in a unique way it might be a bit lame but that's how I announce how many people are at the crowd but um yeah you know I find other ways like tweeting Parramatta players who score tries with love heart emojis next to them there's always something going on are you you on some form of list for doing that because I feel like you should be on some form of list for sending love hearts to players. Not to them, just with their names. Like, I don't at them. Ah, uh, I thought you were saying you were atting them. I was like, Jesus, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a line. Oh, yeah, crossed, it's fine. fine. <laughs> okay, you're fine then. Uh, next question. Who has the, this is from RCB Sharks. Who has a better narrative on their side? So, the Chooks repeat, power after all this time, Storm doing it for the lockdown in Melbourne, Panthers realising potential, Raiders redemption after last year. I don't know if I'm biased. I feel like it has to be Parramatta. It's been so long. It has. Yeah. It has. It's the lo- I mean, it's the longest drought in rugby league. And long may it continue. Raiders redemption. Yes, yes. Good answer. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I mean, it's, it's not a good look when, when it's not a good look when Glebe have won a trophy more, re- more recently than you and they stopping a first grade team in 1923. <laughs> This is the official Raiders podcast. Anyway, <laughs> Benno Wallace says, which team does Mary hate? Even if it's the 16 teams, love everyone, gang, bang. She's been running. What? Follow-up question, which player does she hope never plays again because they make her blood boil? Well, we've already answered I th- yeah. both those questions, haven't we? Yeah. Do you hate a team? <sighs> Not really. I used to really dislike Penrith but I feel like a lot of that has disappeared with certain people leaving the club and the culture mm. to change. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm with you there. It's like very often I don't hate teams. I hate situations. Yeah. Like I hate the team in that moment of time. And like I hated Penrith for many years there, but it was a much more to do with Gus Gould yes. than it was to do with Penrith. And I actually like watching Penrith play now and that's rubbing off. And that ha- my hate, it, it – it changes, it oscillates. Like I used to hate Newcastle. I don't hate Newcastle anymore now either. And I think, uh, you know, the longer you pay attention to my, my, my crazy brain and my takes, people start to realize more that, oh, if I attack that team, it's not usually permanent hate. It's just temporary. Do either of you hate a team? 
I think it's different working. Like um, like I still do like and hate teams. I like and hate players. Obviously, but it's different working now. They have more of an appreciation of teams doing things good and good and bad working in the game. If you get me, so I get more of an appreciation for even though I don't like a team. They well run. I, I I respect that. So I don't actually hate the Roosters anymore. I used to absolutely hate them. Never hated the Roosters. There are a lot of players there that I like. Like the likes of Mitch Orbison. I really respect Jake Friend. I really like Boyd Corner, Joey Manu, CSI Tukayaho. Like I can't hate the Roosters. Yeah, so that's it. Like for me, I don't hate them because they're so well run. Mm. But um, And the, the Bulldogs is a club I hated for most of my youth, but like that's – not even any, anything left to hate. They don't care about the Bulldogs. Yeah. You know? It's probably worse than hate. Mm. It's pity. Uh, yeah. And the, and again, the Sharks, I wasn't a big fan of, but now it's like, hey, I don't mind this lovable bunch of New, car- New Town Jets players and <laughs> Sean Johnson. So. I even like Manly. Manly. Yeah, well, Manly, so Hayden and Des came back, and I like Des. Yeah, so. I love mm. But I do hate the Tommy, the Turbos, and I actually, I think, I, I still kind of hate the Titans. And that one hasn't got great reasoning, but now they're taking Fafita from me and they've done really well and I hate them even more for that. But I, I've always not liked the Titans, bar being Scott Prince, Preston Campbell and Matt Rogers. I've, ever since, not a fan. Mitch, did you say that you hate the Turbos? Yes. I didn't know you that. Know, you didn't know? What do you didn't know that? <laughs> I'm a devoted oh. listener. I don't know that. You really don't know that. God, people, I hate the Turbos. I was, I can admit uh, Tommy Turbo's one of the best players in the competition, but I can't stand both of them. There you go. I can't, the, stand, I the, can't stand Jake. The whole, like, oh, firstly, Jake looks like he's – Jake is just a bigger bloody Jared Croker. He constantly looks like he's tearing up or like yeah. a baby that's had its pacifier taken off it. Um, yeah. And and the, the brother act thing about like, oh, they still live with their mum. Oh, that's really cute. They're local – Cool. That was interesting in 2017. That. Like you know, it's it's not fun anymore. You know, did like you it's Damien Cook as a beach sprinter. I did. Yeah, exactly. I did. That's. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. It's just the fuck me. Anyway, see, I hate that shit. So, and yeah, I just, I just hate that. I know they're nice boys, and I know I'm not. You know, we're talking about homosexuality earlier from RPG. I'm not out there for a nice boy. I want a man. <laughs> <laughs> And that's that is what a man, nice boy, Jake the boy, which where's my rebel? <laughs> well, that's the episode um, of the podcast sorted. <laughs> the title of the podcast. The, t- the title of the podcast. That's what the t- well, title of the episode. I want, I want a real man. <laughs> uh, I'm not here for a nice boy. I want a man. <laughs> that's it. Um, okay. Um, and I think we got this is the last question. Uh, two more questions, sorry. Uh, Brett O'Shane says, who's going to be Parramatta's 2020 poor carriage? We're not going to get that far, Brett. Oh, God. Yo, you're good at this. <laughs> good answer. Not my first rodeo, guys. It's not. And the last question, yo, this guy, Bilski89. They should have cancelled him. He said, rank these coaches. Josh Hannay, Steve George Arles, Todd Payton, Anthony Seabold. Okay, I have a question. Mm. Three of the men named in that block, I don't necessarily know that they're bad coaches. Yeah, I was going to say, they're all Correct. interims at this point. That's why I hate the question. I, I mean, in fairness, Josh Seabold is the, uh, the Broncos interim coach, so. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Got him. Uh, I, I had a episode title as well, interim Seabold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I had a question from she who does not want to be named. Um, mm. It's just been shot through. 
Um, she wants to know, uh, names on the back of player shirts. We have discussed this before. Uh, has it ever happened? When was the change away from it? And what do we think about bringing them back? Uh, it was Super League had them. Yeah. That's what I thought uh, as well. So 90, only 97 and then and then they had them until, what, 2000 and with the Storm? Yeah, that was it. But uh, that, I don't know why they went away. Probably for a money-saving thing because yeah. they used the same jerseys and similar. But I'm all, we've been over this so many times. I'm all for the squad number and the jersey number because it, I buy enough jerseys now, but I want to own a, you know, 27 to be the Pangai rookie Broncos jersey. Yeah. I want to be that guy. Yeah. I want that jersey. Get me that jersey. I, yeah. <laughs> we, it'll be cop or, cop or drop. That will be our, our rugby league podcast. Rugby league fashion podcast. That's it. Like, I, 100% I want to go buy those jerseys of guy. Like, thank, well, they did save me from buying a, a defunct Fafita Broncos jersey. Yes, <laughs> good save. That. <laughs> but. Most of the, you know, I've got heaps of Green Bay Packers jerseys. That's a jersey that doesn't change, you know. NFL jerseys don't change every year. Yeah. I have heaps of them because I bought it for the player's name on the back. Yeah. But, like, imagine, and the point that you make about getting a player that, you know, was, you know, a great for that player or a young player for that, for that te- a great player for that team or a, or a young player for that team, for example. Imagine, like, you know, a Wally Lewis Seagulls jersey, for example, or, like, your your Mal Raiders jersey or your, your yeah. Ricky Walford jersey. Um, St. George Dragons, like your old jersey, jerseys like that. And I know that obviously they didn't have the names on the back of their shirts then, but like imagine that going forward now. Like as you say, as Mary says, getting your, getting your, your Gutherson jersey or your Reed Marnie Parramatta jersey from his first season in first grade and being like, oh, you know, that's something that I can give when, when Reed Marnie plays his 400th game or that's something that I can give my kid, you know, and, and it can go down the line and be like, oh, who was that? dad or who was that mum tell me yeah. about that player because it's like it's one of those cool things that you see when you when you see like an old like a hardwoods classics jersey with like penny hardaway on the back of it or you see um you know an old nfl jersey like with with, it, with like a, Ch- a chad johnson nfl jersey or you know uh, a joe montana nfl jersey or yeah, whatever 100 you, you're like oh that's pretty sweet you know that's an 80s it might be a throwback it might be legit but you don't know, like that's 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 the cool, and it's a conversation starter. So as I said, Emily, you can give that ticket and be like, oh, here's Matt Dufty. He played 103 games for the Dragons and scored 14 tries, but like he was fast, son. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's I, as I said, I'd be all for it, and I mean, I think eventually they'll go down that road, but I, I don't know whether it will be under the current administration, but maybe, maybe one day. Yeah. Any other maybe. questions? Okay. Did we have no. That's it, mate, and I think I think you nailed it there. All right, fantastic. Well, as I said uh, on the previous podcast, thank you for joining us, Mary. It's always lovely to have you on. You have been an oft-requested guest, um, and we're glad that you are back. Guys, can I come back soon, please? Uh, <laughs> two years. You, you can two come years back, was the rule. You can come back when the Parramatta win a premiership. So, so I'll uh, see you in 50 years. Can I also yes. just say that um, I'm really scared about what the title of this episode is going to be, and I want it to be clear that it is not a reference to my partner Jimmy. It was all Doyle. Okay, I we, we... Oh, oh the homosexual thing. What are you saying about Jimmy? I'm not a nice boy. I want a man. Oh well, look, that's that's anyway. Shots fired at Jimmy. Why? You, if you if you thought that was about Jimmy, yeah, I mean that's it speaks volumes. It's about Jimmy. It speaks volumes. I, uh, I look. I'd just like to play the fifth year honor and distance myself from those comments. Those are all Mitch. <laughs> uh, okay. Again, thank you again, Mitch. Say goodbye. Goodbye, Mitch. And it is goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>